Model makers, if you're like me, you're constantly looking for supplies and kits, right? My go-to source for all the essentials is the title sponsor of the Sprue Cutters Union podcast, Hobby World USA. Hobby World USA carries kits, tools, books, and paint brands from Abtilong 502 to Zero. <laughs> See what I did there with the whole A to Z thing? Hobby World is also one of only two suppliers in the United States to carry my personal favorite paint, MRP. And if you're looking for something that's not in their inventory, there's a good chance the owner, Matt Bowl, can find it for you. Matt is one of us. He's a model maker and he participates in the community on a regular basis and is always willing to answer questions. I should also note that while he's a great source for those of us in the United States and Canada, he will also ship worldwide. So, get on over to HobbyWorldUSA.com. That's HobbyWorld-USA.com and check them out for all your model making needs. Tetra Model Works are a leading producer of premium photo etch sets for all kinds of modeling genres. From armor to ships to aircraft and more, they make some of the best PE you can buy. And I know because I use it myself. I love it so much I even sell it in my own store. The design is outstanding. Sharp and clean detail, well-designed folds and easily constructed assemblies. Easy to use, their high quality brass is just the right thickness and strong so it won't break on you. Their sets provide the maximum of detail but never with parts you don't need or can't use. Instructions are clear and very easy to follow. Sold in hobby stores around the world, just look for Tetra Model for the very best in photo etch and accessories. You can find a full list of their distributors at tetramodel.com. That's tetra, T-E-T-R-A, model.com. What's happening, gangsters? Welcome aboard a special episode of the Sprue Cutters Union. We are myself, uh, Chris Mettings. Uh, I'm Will Pattison. I guess I should say that just in case nobody Start knows. Start jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, we're going to run it just like that because that's what we do. We keep it real. Uh, anyway, just in case Chris has to edit this so that we can seem more serious. Isn't this a segment, not an episode? This is special, kind of special this, this edition, is a special whatever. episode. Yeah, this special yeah, yeah. episode. Um, and and let's get to why. Okay, so Tracy Hancock here with us as well. You just heard him. So we are joined today uh, by Mr. Jim Clark, who is the head aircraft judge uh, of the IPMS USA, and he handles those duties at the IPMS National Show, which uh, just happened a few weeks ago out there in Las Vegas. And uh, we want to welcome you aboard, Jim. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hope I can answer any questions you may have. We're absolutely stoked that you're here. I want to, uh, you know, just pay you some mad respect for joining us. Chris and I have both been pretty vocal um, around the old interwebs, uh, Facebook groups in particular, on our thoughts about uh, shows in general I have had things to say, obviously, about IPMS. 
And so I can only imagine that you might have had some trepidation about being invited for a special guest interview. And I just respect that you were willing to step into the lion's den, so to speak. Uh, well, I, you know, IPMS does and has had a reputation for, for a long time of being secretive and all this kind of stuff. So when I was asked in 2016 if I'd be interested in the job and then I wasn't able to actually do it until uh 2021 due to commitments and planning for 2018 i we had it here in phoenix and i was the contest chairman so uh representing the local and putting putting together the 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 floor space basically for for the show i couldn't do it in 18 and in 19 we had went through some suggestion or we went carried through on some some suggestions i made to in how we uh pick best aircraft and you know the the current head judge says, you know what, I'm going to stay on one year longer just to see this, this change through in case there's any backlash, I'll take the arrows on the way out. And so I'm like, okay, well then 2020 happened. And so, yeah, that here comes 2021. And that's when I finally got, got my first shot at, at doing it. Right on. Well, we're going to get into all that background, but the first thing I want to do is just kind of let, no, no, you're okay. It's all good. We don't, we're, we're not really on a script. You know, anybody who's listened to this thing at any of our other episodes knows that we run it pretty fast and loose. But because you, this is going to be a special episode that's going to drop this coming Saturday uh, in between our normal biweekly release, and we're doing that, uh, you know, out of respect for you being willing to do this, but also because we want it to be timely. You know, obviously the Vegas show was, uh, I guess, two and a half weeks ago now. You know, our episode that dropped that weekend was our interview with, with Robert Crombeck, um, who runs SMC. And so we've kind of had this sort of counter, you know, point counterpoint thing going, mm-hmm. as as seems to happen each year bet- at, right after the IPMS US Nationals. There's a flurry of Facebook ballyhoo uh-huh. and and so we just felt like that that uh, number one we felt like that you deserved the chance to you know let everybody know you know your perspective on all of this stuff and we you know because look we're about being fair and and about being able to see the whole picture and consider things from a uh, you know as pretentious as this sounds, we, we want to be able to consider things from a sort of a, of a, of a higher point of view. And that means we have to take it all in. And we wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. And so what we're going to do today is kind of a, an interview style debate. I, I don't, I don't know any other way to say it really. I wanted it to be effective and organized. And so I've got a list of questions that I wrote up. You, Chris, you and Jim can verify, right, that you neither have, neither of you have seen the list of questions. No, nope. uh, no matter Chris, how much I offered you. That's right. <laughs> he was he was he was going to send me. He was even going to send me dick pics, and I was like, "Dude, no, not happening." <laughs> so so nobody has seen the list of questions. They are a list of questions uh, that I put together. But I also went around to some folks who have been involved in the discussions. Everyone would recognize their names if I gave them, but I am not. Those are going to be anonymously mixed into the list of questions. And and my intent, did Jim give you an opportunity to sort of present how you guys do things? And Chris is going to present the other side, if you want to call it that, because he's got experience as a judge at SMC and Mosin and 
and at Telford. Uh, so that's our plan. Um, sound good to you guys? Sure. Yeah. I'll just say, though, I'm not as experienced as Jim. I've never run a judging team or never run a competition on my own. So my experience is just at judging at other people's shows. All right. So, so let's do this, Chris. I mean, everybody knows you, but because we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to get a lot of listeners on this episode who may not be familiar with you because I fully expect a lot of the IPMS guys to tune into this. I, I hope they do. Chris, I want you to give a brief introduction of yourself, your background, specifically as it relates to contests. Okay, quickly. I've been back in modeling since about, don't worry, you're not going to get the life story, since about <laughs> um, 2000, 2002, something like that. And a few years in, I started going to contests. I started going to Euromilitaire. And that's when I got really serious about the hobby. And once I started to do that, you get to know people, you meet other people, you know, you help out with this, help out with that. And I ended up judging first at IPMS UK Nationals Telford, I think. Then at Euromilitaire, Scale Model Challenge, Mosin Show. So I should just say, though, that UK IPMS, the judging is complete. I'm not going to get into how. We'll do that later. But I'll just say it's a completely different system to IPMS USA. So anyone listening, IPMS is not a monolith across the world. Each country has its own rules its own uh, traditions and techniques and everything else. And uh, when I met, when I talk about me working for IPMS, it's going to be purely IPMS UK. Okay. So you, but yeah. you've been a judge at, Mo, at Mosin, SMC. Yeah. Did you judge it at Euromilitaire as well? I did, yeah. Okay. All right. So you're experienced with what people tend to generally call the open judging system because that's what they use at SMC. Uh, Telford is first, second, third, right. and the others right. are open. Yep. And we're going to get to the description of that here directly. But now, Jim, it's your turn. Uh, introduce yourself. Let everybody know what your background is. Uh, my name is Jim Clark. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I've um, been a current IPMS judge since 98. have attended the Nationals every year since 98. You, After you've done uh, 10, 10 shows, or, or um, you, you become what's called a, a senior national judge. And then at that time, if needed, you can be uh, put in charge of running a, of a, te- a team of, of three during the national within your, your class. And I've probably right around my 10 year mark is when I start you know, getting teams uh, to be able to lead when we go through our judging. Then in, again, in 2016, I, w- I was asked to if, if I'd be interested in the job of, of head aircraft judge. And I, I really never thought I'd be be asked because like I've told everybody, I mean, Bill and I, the, the former head aircraft judge, we we butted heads before over things. And so I, I was kind of surprised. But and this is where you guys will get a laugh. I was considered one of the younger guys in the uh, in the group of judges. And that's one one reason or one of the things that played in my favor of, of being asked uh, was that I go every year and I'm on the younger end that I'd, I'd be I'd stick around for a while and do it. Not just another one of the old much older guys that might might only be able to do it for a year or two so uh, as much as i'm labeled the the boomer in multiple groups that i'm in i'm, I'm still one of the, one of the younger ones so that may be a sad fact but it, it is what it is very cool all right so you've got a long history of judging and 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 you've been the head aircraft judge is this is your you were saying this is your first year to be able to do that right yeah okay. this is my first year actually on the job and what are kind of your your like what's your sort of job description or duties if you will as the head aircraft judge as head aircraft judge it's it's more of an administrative um task 
as far as different classes do it differently within within the national but we have uh we have a, a group of guys that will uh organize the judging teams come starting on wednesday we'll put the book out we have a sign up we're one of the only classes that ever did do that as a sign up this year was the first year that the head judge ma uh, mandated that all classes need to do what we need that what we do in aircraft to where you, you sign up and then you you organize your teams you organize your splits. You're ready to go when you walk in on Friday night. Like we've always done in, in the 20 plus years that I've, I've been an aircraft judge, you know, depending on numbers and how that number changes from day to day up until judging on Friday night, you have to be able to try to, to keep your categories within a certain number. Um, and that magic number is around the 20 to 25 mark. Some categories are, are much more populated than others. They're just more popular. Quarter scale uh, or 48 scale single engine prop is, is notoriously huge. It, used, it was 107A, and then they have multiple splits after that. This year was the first year that the head judge decided that it would be a good idea to have permanent in-place splits with allied versus axis and line versus radial. So we can get that number of you know, 200 planes in one category down to something more manageable. Um, when, so that's, that's why we split it four ways. We have all their categories that are, have a predetermined split built into them. Uh, 131 A and B, you know, and people say, well, what's A and B? And they're, they're not used to the system. They don't know. And it's just like, put your model in on 131 at a certain point in time when the category looks to be full or, or, or darn near full, then we will come in and with, with, based what's on the table, we'll make our split. I'll use a 48 scale large jet this year as, as an example. We had a bunch of F4s and F14s with the, with the Tamina kit, okay? And the Nuzuki Mora kits. So there was enough of them there with our total that we had within the category that half of them were F4s and F14s. The other half were was was other. And we, we love to use other because we can just make a, have that like a, a boiling pot or a melting pot of the rest. So, and then it's basically whatever's on the table. However, we could come up with a semi-logical split to, to help spread a little bit of the love, as you might say, to, to get a few more awards out instead of having, you know, 50 entries going for three awards. Now you've got, you know, 25, two groups of 25 going for six awards. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we're going to get into some more details of how the systems operate. But uh, I think now everybody's kind of got a pretty good idea. Both you guys uh, have, have, have a lot of experience, and so I think this is perfect. But this is the point where I want to issue a quick disclaimer for myself because, uh, you know, as I said before, the p people have seen me be pretty vocal online, as I am about a lot of things. I mean, that's just, you know, that's, that's just me. Um, and I think some people, you know, have challenged me as far as being an IPMS member you know, why do you give a shit? And I just, I want to make it clear, you know, I, I want to take this opportunity to make that clear. Um, first of all, I don't live within 500 miles of anything IPMS related. So honestly, they're just before now, there wasn't much of an incentive for me to be a member. Uh, I joined Jim, as you know, I joined about a week ago. Um, and, and I did that because I want to, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I did that because I want to vote. Uh, this is the first time I've really sort of followed the election process and I, and I want to vote. And I had made the public commitment to do that well before uh, the show. And honestly, I just got busy and it, and it, it, I just didn't get it done. And then I found out that, that the, the actual election was going to be delayed until September. 
And I was like, okay, cool. I can make good on my promise to do that. And so I joined immediately. Um, but I have to say that if I lived, you know, if I still lived in Dallas or Austin or, or you know, I, I would absolutely have been a member. I would absolutely have been at the shows because I'm a hyper competitive person. I wouldn't be able to help myself. Mm-hmm. I would have been at the shows. I would have been involved. I would have been a judge. Um, and that may not mean anything to anybody, but that's the truth. Uh, you know, and so people will say, well, why don't you travel? Well, okay. Um, yeah, I could, I can afford to, I've got the time to, but, um, I, I, I do deal with a physical disability. I, I, I'm about 11 years down the road from a, from a major spinal cord injury that initially left me paralyzed from the neck down. And I try not to ever use that as a physical excuse, but sometimes it's just a fact. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. And for me, like I can't travel long distances by myself. I can't get on an airplane and fly without a travel buddy. I can't drive 12 hours without a travel buddy. Uh, And so for me, getting to the national show isn't just a matter of just, okay, cool. I'm just going to go. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to deal with the pain and the discomfort and I'm going to just go, you know, it's, it's for me a major, a major thing. And, and so I have tried to sort of, I, this may sound weak, uh, help in any way I can by, by, by fomenting discussion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some people, some people also call that trolling, uh, you know, it is what it is. But the reason that I do that is because I actually do care quite a bit. And I, and, and I, I want to see American model making as a whole be the best that it can be. Cause that's just my nature. And frankly, I feel like when I look out there across the world as, you know, at the evidence as represented by photo dumps from shows and stuff that we see online, I honestly feel like American model making is trailing and I hate to see that. And, um, and, and I do have my own opinions about how the IPMS has played into that. And that's why I've been so vocal, but it's also the reason that I have sort of removed myself from this little debate thing today. And I'm acting as the moderator because I don't want anybody to think, okay, Patterson's just shoving himself in there and running his mouth. I, I want this to be as neutral as possible. So anyway, that's the disclaimer. And now let's get into the actual questions. You guys ready? Far away. <laughs> oh, Tracy, well, Tracy. Is, is saying, hang on. I, hang on. I, I actually need to go. Uh, I'm sorry. Something has just come up. So I'm, I apologize for not being able to be a part of this. I look forward to hearing it. And Jim, I'm extremely thankful that you came on. It was nice to talk to you. No problem, Tracy. Good meeting you. Tracy has a has adult problems and a real job as a business owner, so yeah, cut him some slack. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'd love to stick around and chat because I do love to chat, but um, I'm going to leave it in these guys' hands and and look forward to to having a listen. And again, thank you for coming on. It was great to meet you. Great to meet you. Okay. All right. Good luck, with whatever it is, man. Thanks. Okay. All right. So let's first question is going to be and this. And most of these questions are going to be for both of you guys. Um, and I'm going to give you, you know, each like I'll switch back and forth as to who goes first. And then you guys can respond to each other as you as you want to. Uh, so the first thing is, um, uh, Jim, I'm just going to start with you. I want you to briefly describe the system. Um, you know, let's just talk briefly about about uh, the placing, the awards, and the volume of participants that you deal with. 
Well, the volume varies from year to year, and traditionally, uh, you get more volume on the East Coast just because the modeling base is on the East Coast. There's, you know, your Atlanta in 05 was a was the record breaker until I believe Chattanooga in 19. I think they they may have broken it. Um, that was a huge show. They had over like this thing was 3,112 entries. Uh, they wow. had another 1,600 models just in display which were placed right up front for everybody to see, you know, because they're, you know, IPMS is trying to, you know, take a page out of Telford's uh, book by, you know, pushing, um, pushing the display aspect with where you have your model clubs and you're in your halls amongst your, your vendors. We don't do that, but we, you know, there, there are people that aren't interested in, in competing, um, which, which is fine. I mean, they're, they're in for it just to build and, and show. I and mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, so, and even in 2018, we, we did the same thing. We tried to, we, we had a, a huge display up front as you walked in the, into the contest room of, of nothing but display models. Again, so numbers vary from, from year to year, but probably I would say it, it's, it's a good bet probably over the past five years, we've had more than the, the 20, 23 to 2,500 mark easily. That all yeah, Vegas was was nearly twenty seven hundred, right? Yeah, it was twenty six forty six. What was the amount of entries? Uh, we had over nine hundred aircraft entries. Um, they had um, over counting collections in the triathlon category, where you enter one piece from three different pieces from one of the, one of the each major classes. If you counted all the separate models within the room, they were they were over the three thousand mark according to, to their numbers. Gotcha. And I think everybody already knows this, but you guys award a first, second, and third place in each category, regardless of how many entries there are. And it's a medal or a trophy. It's right? whatever the local host decides to do. That 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 one is on their plate. It's part of the, the fun of, of hosting. They get to dictate what, what type of award they, they want to do. And, and the trophies this year, by the way, were beautiful. Those guys did a great job on those. Very cool. Very cool awards. All right. Um, Chris, if you could briefly describe, you know, I think what we're really comparing here to is the SMC system. Um, so give it a give it a whirl. So SMC is based on uh, the open system, which was invented by, I believe, Shep Payne and a couple of other guys, as we um, found out when we talked to Jim and Barry on the, the Small Subjects podcast. It's uh, basically the idea is that you display, you, you bring along your models and let's say you have three AFEs and you put them in AFE standard class uh, because there is beginner, standard and advanced and you put them in the standard class, then that's your display. So you're judged on your display, not on each individual model. In practical terms, usually what we do is pick the best one we think out of the three and judge you on that, you know, judge you at your best. Then based on that, you get uh, assessed to a standard, which is gold, silver, and bronze standard. So in a category of 50 AFEs, there might be no golds or there might be 20 golds. It, it all depends on how good the individual piece is. So if there's nothing that's good enough, nothing will get gold. It's not like uh, someone has to get gold, someone has to get silver, someone has to get bronze. Usually uh, about 5% of the models in the category might be gold sort of material gold or silver a bit more silver a bit more bronze um but probably two-thirds of the category won't get anything and sometimes like i said there are categories where you don't get anything at all or you get five bronzes and a gold and no silver 
there are technically things that we look for when we judge and they are uh construction difficulty presentation and depending on which category some other things like in hang on, hang on. i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you right there because because talking about the details of the judging is next question so okay so basically well, that's it yeah you're judging yeah. to a standard not first second or third yeah Right. But, and I think I want to, somebody, you know, that I talked to about this last night mentioned, make sure everybody understands that the open system does not equal the AMPS system. Okay. That's the armor modeling preservation society that okay. uh, sort of, you know, that also runs here in the United States. Their system is different and we might need to get somebody from their camp in here to do this same thing. Um, because I, but I do think that's important to point out because that's a common perception that the open system and the amps system are the same. I think they use a version of it. I admit, I don't totally understand it. Um, but, uh, it is not the same as it is at SMC. So just want to I have to say that. the open system tends to be different at each competition. I'll explain later when we get into the details, but Mosin is not exactly the same system as, as SMC partly because of its roots in uh, Eastern European competition. So, and I think uh, just to add in here, uh, if I remember correctly from our interview with, with Robert, you know, they're typically going to see 1,800 to 2,000 models uh, that they have to judge. There were uh, 2,000 at SMC last time and 2,100 at Mosin. Okay, so that's good. I think that gives us a, a pretty equal comparison of just the nuts and bolts uh, or the basic structure of, of each system. So um, now, all right, I want to get into some of the details about how it operates. Um, and so, Chris, since you were kind of already talking about how it works, uh, the next question for both of you guys is going to be to describe the entry and judging procedures. So, you know, if you would, Chris, your turn this time, uh, just just basically describe your experience as a judge at uh, SMC and Mosin if they're different and that's important. Okay. Uh, SMC and Mosin, the entry is pretty much the same that you go online, you look at the uh, competition classes, you fill out an online form and submit the details and you can change it up to usually a couple of weeks before the competition. And then when you arrive, there's an envelope waiting for you with your name on it and you take your cards and go and put them next to your model. Typically, it's about two or three euros per model. And at SMC, there's a 10 euro limit. So if you bring more than five models, you'll still only pay 10 euros. I can't remember what it is at Mosin, but it's about the same. Okay. So that gets you into yeah. What was the next bit? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so because what and this is this is something that I notice when I look at photo dumps from, from SMC. There aren't the like there's not an entry sheet or whatever sitting there under each model the way that there is at uh at the ipms show so how does the judging or the score get transferred to the appropriate person that's the owner of that model? there is a piece of paper that goes with it which has an entry number on it oh actually they changed it you put stickers on now they give you stickers with a number printed on it and you stick that to the base of the model what if the model's not on a base? Then you stick it next to the model. Usually, though, 99% of the models are on a base because presentation is something you're scored on. And at the very least, put a bit of wood underneath it. <laughs> so, then do the, so then do you as a judge carry score sheets around? Do you? We used to carry sheets, which you write down the results on, but now it's done on, a, um, on an iPad. 
Okay, and they give you an iPad for yeah, that? Yeah, it's all integrated with the system because the whole thing is managed wow, electronically. Okay. okay, okay. So that's how the information gets transferred from the entrant number that's uh, that's close to or attached to the, the piece of work mm. to their their score sheet. Basically, the same. it ties into the same system so that it saves. You can imagine in the old days taking all the score sheets and someone has to sit there and go through it and write them up. Uh, you know, at least write up which results are what. You don't have to do that anymore. The system just compiles it as they go, and it saves a lot of time for some poor guy in the back room compiling it all. And so, it, so it must be all connected to the database that's generated when people. That's right. Yeah. Sign up. At Mosin, you fill out a, an actual it, physical okay. score sheet. There. Okay. All right. So now you've got everybody entered. Just briefly describe the judging process. Uh, judges work in teams of three. Typically, you'll have a head judge on the team. And then someone uh, very experienced who's done the show a few times, and then someone whose first time it is judging at the show. It won't be their first time judging because they don't tend to invite people that haven't judged before, but it'll be their first time judging at that show. And then you go around, you discuss the models and decide what they are. Usually what we do is we look for the best models on the table and say, okay, so are these at gold standard? And then work down from that. The difficult ones are always judging between bronze and silver because it's very fine. It's easy to see who's the absolute best, but the grades of not quite the best are much harder to define. You know, where do you draw the line and what have you? Especially when, as I'm sure Jim will agree, no two models are the same. They're different subjects, different approaches. <laughs> it's, you know, it is a bit apples and oranges sometimes. And then there's a head judge for the category, like Jim, like Jim is for aircraft. We have a head judge for armor, head judge for fantasy figures, a head judge for dioramas and so on. And they're in charge of making sure all the teams are doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no problems, everything else. And then um, there's a head judge for the whole competition. Got it. Okay. And if I remember right from our conversation with Robert, there's a total of about 60 judges and it takes you about five hours to get through the whole, At last, the whole kit and caboodle. Last right? show there were 30 judges and it took six hours. To be fair, though, there were thirty judges. Yeah. To be fair, though, thirty judges total. Almost half of the entries are figures, and the figure guys like to pick every brushstroke apart. So they take six hours. We take four hours. I think that's an important distinction because I think a lot of people would assume that figures are quicker. You know, it's a one piece. You know, but 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 yeah, much much more difficult, uh, I would think. Uh, and obviously, with figures. It's all about the paint, right? Yeah, I mean, for construction in figures, it's generally the the construction part of it is like ten percent. You know, if you stuck the arms on without gaps, that sort of thing. Okay, so so I want you to talk about that a little bit about how you sort of break out construction versus finish, weathering, all that kind of stuff, um, and if there is some sort of a of a rota that you guys use to apply uh, a score. Technically, there is a percentage for each thing, but. In reality, we're just, it's left to our judgment, basically. The percentages are there if you need them, if there's like a judging impasse and you can't agree. But uh, generally, we're just left to it. But anything that's really stand out, like any seam lines, gaps, misaligned parts, wonky wheels, anything like that, you're not going to end up in the metal category. That's going to be discarded straight away. Similarly, though, if someone's decided mud's a good thing and they've just slapped it on and there's no rhyme or reason about how it would have got from the ground to where it is on the tank. You know, it's not where the tracks would flick it up. It's not where muddy boots might go or something like that. It's just sort of randomly applied. Then that's 
going to that's going to get you uh, marked down as well, so to speak. Although what we look for is the good; we don't look for the bad. So, but if it's if it's in the bad category, you know, if there's something on there we don't think is done particularly well, then that's going to be edged out of them running for anything, basically. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, do you feel like that's a pretty? I mean, do you, you feel like that's a pretty complete description on your be on your side? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would anything add, else you want to add, although we don't have about. winners as such. They have two best of shows now because it became really hard. Basically, you get to the end of the judging. All the figure guys would vote for a figure and all the other guys would vote for an aircraft (laughs) or a tank, Uh, you know, and they'd be like, and usually the the figure guys were the only ones left because all the others have got frustrated waiting and would go off and it'd be a figure every year. So what they do now, they have uh, a best of show figures and a best of show everything else. So there is someone who is the ultimate winner, so to speak, because they get the best in show. Gotcha. And, and so I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. You said 30 judges. Was that just for all of the other categories besides no, figures or is that that's total? For everything? But you tend to have more figure judges because there are more figures. It's it's not so much you put half your figures, half in the others. It's how many how many categories you've got. You know, you have more judging teams on the side with more categories, basically. Okay. Do you have a feel so that we just have some sort of direct comparison, like how many aircraft models? When I first started going, it was like eight aircraft and the last time I went, it was more like 60. <laughs> the aircraft side has, has really shot up. Mosin, on the other hand, is very, very low on the figures. You might have maybe a couple of hundred figures. And then of the rest, half of its aircraft and half of its diorama, armors, everything else. Because in East okay. Europe, they're big into aircraft modeling. All right. What are the key differences with the way the judging works at Mosin? You have to fill out a score sheet, and the judges don't actually decide what they get. You score it, you submit the scores, and there is a certain score achieves a gold, a certain score achieves a silver, and a certain score achieves a bronze. But if you scored everything high in the in the category, everything would get gold. So you can have more than one gold, but you don't you don't get to decide who gets a gold. And you do, you just don't know you have, if you see what I mean. You find out later what got what. And what's typical volume at Mosin? At Mosin last year, apparently they had two thousand one hundred models and seventy uh, judges. Okay. At Mosin, they focus more on building and the technical side as well. Okay. And how long does the judging take? It takes about four hours. That was quite quick, actually. Well, you got twice the number of judges for similar kind of models, so number of models. So. All right. And somebody wanted me to ask this: When does the judging take place at those two shows? Like, is you know, is it does it happen at night after everybody's gone off to drink in the bar or does it happen you know while spectators or is it during the day i should say uh ipms us nationals is really strange to us in europe because it's four days all the uk uh, all the european shows are one day or two day so typically people bring their models on the saturday morning and then saturday afternoon they're judged and then sunday you have the presentation so at mosin it starts around midday uh, entries close at I think 11 or 12 and then it starts an hour after that and it happens while everyone is at the show what they do is they arrange the tables in donuts the judges are inside with their table and everything and they can see the models and uh, the public can still walk around the outside which at first I was a bit skeptical about because I thought you'll get people like trying to listen to what's going on but they don't it might be because I don't speak Hungarian <laughs> it's a show in Hungary <laughs> if I did they might be like what's he saying what's he saying but uh, yeah, it tends okay. to work quite well. We are allowed to move models, though, to have a look at them. And we tend to pick them up, put them on the table and sit around and talk about them and then put them back. But uh, SMC, the show, the competition closes at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday. And we judge through to when it's finished. 
All right, that's good. Lots of good details there, uh, Jim. Uh, you're, you, if you have any questions for Chris, now's the time, but it's now your turn to describe how the IPMS system USA works. Quick question to Chris. You were hmm. saying that Mawson has a bunch more aircraft than SMC um, and that it, it, it's, it's aircraft and then it's armored diorama. Oh, armor dioramas, everything else, basically. All the stuff that isn't aircraft. Armor comma dioramas. Of the 2,100, so 300 were aircraft. So there's more, I guess my, my main question is, there's more armor dioramas than just armor pieces. Oh, no. It's armor, armor, armor comma. comma dioramas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I was combined. It's the, in terms of the split, most of it's aircraft. The biggest proportion is aircraft. The next biggest is single armor, you know, just as a as a model, and then uh, I think they it's dioramas. Okay. They tend to have a lot more ships there than other shows, though. They, they tend to get about hundred ship entries at that one. Interesting. Well, it, it's it's the more you go to the the IPMS nationals, it's it's interesting to see what classes ebb and flow over the area of the country you're in. Ships are big in the east; they're very lowly attended out west. Uh, Autos, cars, automotive, big out west doesn't seem to be as big in the Midwest and the East. So, and then figures are they're pretty steady. Uh, space and sci-fi is pretty steady. Aircraft's always big, but yeah, there are certain classes that that will ebb and flow depending on where you're in the country. Okay, all right. So, Jim, based on all I, that, run through the same sort of of description of of how you guys work. So our Yes, we're us crazy Americans. We do it for three and a half days. We typically open up on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, um, and you'd be surprised. I mean, we probably had a thousand models on the table in in the four hour period that the that the room was was open um, on Wednesday. It's it, typically they open at two. They opened earlier this time because you had a bunch of people beating down the doors ready to go. Um, and and every year, I'm 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 amazed at how many people are, are there on a Wednesday just dumping everything in seems to get bigger and bigger then there's a slow trickle through thursday and we have most of our entries by say friday in the afternoon but then in there you know people's logistics are different we had one guy come in he drove like 1500 miles and it was 10 minutes before the the doors closed he, he barely made it in um the there were local guys that weren't going to let him in but the, the national guys said no 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 he, he, he came all this way. We're going to make an accommodation for him. He, he's here. He's still technically on time. Get his stuff in there, you know. So we work with people. But no. So, yes, it's it's a long process. But I, I think it, it allows people traveling um, to, to get there. We're not as condensed as, as the UK is or as Europe is. And so it, if nothing more than just logistics and people's work schedules. And, you know, we try to make it open to as many people as possible to, to, to get there, you know, to have the whole thing wrapped up on a Saturday evening so that they have their Sundays to get home to resume work week again on Monday. But yeah, you typically, you'll come in, you'll, you'll enter your model. Um, you'll have a, uh, two different sheets to fill out. One, one sheet goes with the model. You have your master sheet with all your entries on it that is turned into to the model registration desk and they keep track of that. So then your individual entry has all your pertinent information that is folded under, goes with your model, has your, your IPMS number with a dash 001 for your first entry. And then that corresponds with your master entry. So your first entry is whatever. And then that correlates on, on your master list. So then 
that goes under the model. Then during judging on, on Friday night, one, once the determination has been made, there is one piece of paper that is handed out by the head judge for every single category that's been decided upon. And then you, uh, you, you fill that out with your third place, your second place, your first place with name of the entry, name of the modeler and where they're from, because that sheet then is used in the awards presentation. They, the, the, the guys who, who do the show read from that, that actual list and it's correlated into the book as, as dirt for the awards presentation. So, and what were the other questions? I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, okay. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, I mean, I think we can see it's a, it's a paper driven system. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. Uh, that explains how the sort of judging information gets from the contestants' work piece to the contestant themselves and into the results. Um, and how, so, you know, just talk for a second about um, how you guys look at construction and finish, kind of the way Chris did, and if there is any kind of a rubric for that. So we have a, a judge's guidebook. So let's take it back to the beginning. So you have a new guy. And he wants to come in and he wants to judge what what we have is called the the OJT on the job training. Uh, we don't invite anybody. I think for first and foremost, you know, it's IPMS's moniker for modelers by modelers. We're all modelers. Uh, we, and we're, as judges, we're all working for the entrance. Um, so we volunteer our time to, to, to go in there and do that for them. Um, so there is a judge's book. Um, with all our guidelines in it that, that we use as a rough rubric to, to apply to, to the entries. Uh, the new guy will come in, he'll sign up. He wants to be, be the new, uh, the OJT for the first year. You go to the, the ju head judges, um, seminar, what judges look for. He gives about an hour long presentation on, on what's done out there on the floor. And then that new guy will then be assigned to a team as a fourth person because we have however many people that we have sign up gets divvied up in the teams of three again with our most senior guys because on your judges sheet when you sign up it asks for you know name address number how many years you've been judging uh at the national level and then what end categories you're entered in so you don't wind up judging you know your own category that that would be severely looked down upon so and then once once those uh, categories are handed out, it's always cross-referenced and, you know, to make sure you know, nobody has anything in this category, right? So then they go out and they judge. And then the the OJT guy mirrors them, watches the the team in their discussions. Um, and God, I would hope I, I I've heard this for years and I keep on I keep on this tradition of admonishing team leads. Please include your OJT guy in all discussions and all choices and, and everything. They are a team member. The only thing they're not allowed to do is is have a vote. Their voice is definitely considered when they they make their decisions on third, second and first. OK, so then after all that's done, you know, how, how what do we do when we judge? Well, as and this is where this, this is where the, the nitty gritty and where we, we all have our, our consternation between each other. We get labeled as a construction only society. And I would I would say that we're not construction only, but it does give us a point in reference to quantify our decisions. OK, so in aircraft and I can really I can really only speak to aircraft because that's the one I've been involved with for all this amount of time. You know, so be that as it may, aircraft, 
We'll start with construction. We usually start with alignment because when you take a category of 25 and you've got, you know, four hours and sometimes you'll, you'll wind up judging depending on the numbers in your category. You might have a big category. You might have a small category. Sometimes teams that get a big category, they might only get stuck doing that one category over the four hours. Team, teams with smaller ones, they might have multiple. I had teams that did one. I had teams that did four this year in the period of time that we had to work with. But what you do is you go through and, and it is a construction first. It's not construction only. And I think that's important to note that we do look for construction first because it's quantifiable. You can point to that that gears out this is out that is out as a point of reference of you know you got to build it before you paint it okay now again not that we don't like painting or you know that you know as a lot of people say that that's the fun part but there is so much that can be weeded out you'd be kind of surprised when, when all the information's there you know we give people the opportunity to judge come in see what we do you know and what we look for you, you've got that opportunity to learn there of what happens. You've got the opportunity to, to apply it, look and see what everybody else is doing. And you'd be kind of surprised at, at just basic, basic issues that, that can kick otherwise beautiful looking models out. So we, we go down through construction. So there's alignment. Then there's your obvious glue, your seams, your incomplete lamp panel lines that go off into oblivion. Um, you know, you you go through all that and you, you can you can get whittle it down quite, quite quickly and efficiently to get to your hopefully five or six that are going to be contenders for your top two or three that you can then spend more time on and be more critical of as applying your, your metric to, you know. So. And, and it's like Chris was saying earlier, you know, you, your goals jump out at you. It, and I'm, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, because your firsts nine times out of ten, they jump out at you. It's just like, wow, okay, he's a player for first. This one's a player. This one's a player. And then you start, you know, going back and forth. And that's where the subjectiveness, we try to make it as objective as possible to start. But then we bring in the subjectiveness of the t three team members to be able to discuss which which errors, because they all have errors to some degree, which ones are more egregious than others, okay, is this panel line going off into oblivion and stopping with a black wash in it, is that going to be more egregious to the agreement of the three than say a, um, a, a decal that's been applied on the top of a wing and it's got a little bit of silvering, but then the guy came in or the gal came in and tried to, they saw that they tried to fix it, didn't quite pull it off, but they, you know, they, they, they saw it, they made the effort. Here's somebody who, it's almost like purposely did something, didn't care about it, and just and just went for it. Now that team has to then decide which one is more egregious. And then my job as head aircraft judge is if this team gets stuck on something on the particulars and they can't come to an agreement for for whatever reason, for for whatever thing it may be, I can come in and try without telling them what I would do. That's not my job. It's their job to judge. It's kind of my job to try to guide them down the way we do things in, in, in trying to, to make their decisions, if, if any of that makes any sense. Okay, so I think we're doing pretty good. I'm going to try and keep it moving because I don't want this to run super, super long. But I have got a couple of you questions. Guys have been in, right. 
it, it, yeah, uh, and and we're we're it's good because we're covering some stuff that I have in later questions, and I'm just kind of letting you guys do that, and we'll reference that. Um, so so yeah, let's go back and all right. Just to say, uh, what's the cost of entry at uh, IPMS show? What do people pay to display? You know, to enter the competition. Uh, nothing and uh, a lot. <laughs> Depends. It, 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 it's a, it's a goofy answer. What we we don't have an entry fee per se. We have a um, a register a, a, a registration fee. You register for the convention as an IPMS member. You that's the that those are the two things that get you in. You 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 have to be an IPMS member to to be in the contest to compete. Now you can come in as as anybody that wants to come in buy their general admission ticket. They can go in the in the model room, look at the models. They can go in the vendor room and 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 buy whatever they want to buy. They cannot go um, to seminars because at some point in time, I mean, when does the benefits of membership to the society and helping the society? I mean, that that's you know, I said it on one of the groups and got lambasted for it by a fellow podcaster. You was you know, it's like oh, you know, and I'm just like well, there, it, it simply is that if we if we can let everything go, then then what's the point of being a member? If I can show up, pay 10 bucks and go to do and see everything, then. Well, I imagine with the seminars, they're, they're heavily subscribed and you don't want IPMS members to miss out. Right. And, and that's at the end of the day, that's who this is for. It's, you know, it's for IPMS members and, and you can, as a general admission guy, you can come in and see all the great things. It's like, Hey, become a member. So you have your $30 a year membership and then you register for the convention. Okay. That gets you in the door, full access to, to anything and everything, uh, up unlimited amount of models. Okay. There's, there's no limit on the amount of models you can bring, go out of the seminars. Um, you do probably have to pay extra for, for the awards banquet or the show, depending on the venue that we're in, uh, across the country. Sometimes, uh, local chapters have to fulfill a food and beverage requirement with the facility. So they have to have a banquet. So then you have to have a, you know, you have to buy a banquet ticket to get a good seat for the show, or you can, take your chances. And depending on the facility, you might be out in the hallway, you know, yeah. peeking over somebody see the awards show, or they might be able to put up seats for you. But no, to answer your question, there's not a per model fee to enter, but yeah, you, you, you do get unlimited amount of entries when you register for the convention. And I want to say, I can't remember. I paid, I think it was like 55 us dollars for, for convention registration this year. But that's but that's basically what covers the hosting club's costs because they have to obviously pay for the venue, uh, services, all those things. There's there's two big income revenues for any local host that wants to host a national. Your vendors paying for their tables and your 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 people registering for the convention. You hope that you can make it up on GA if there's if there's lacking uh, on uh, on your registrations. Uh, facilities are hugely expensive. Uh, numbers in 2018, we had, uh, you know, who wants to come to Phoenix in August? Man, not too many people. So we got a screaming deal on our convention center. Okay. It's our screaming deal was $25,000 for three and a half days. Okay. We contracted with the hotel to get a, 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 try to get a good room rate for guys and gals coming in for the show. Okay. Well, to get that room rate, you have to try to guarantee so many room nights. And then you're hoping you can fulfill that with, with your people coming in. 
Um, and, and then you have the, 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 the food beverage requirements that you, that you have to meet. And these are a lot of things that people don't, un, you know, don't understand uh, behind the scenes things that have to go. So <clears throat> yes, you, 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 you try to make it up on, on registration, you know, fees, vendor table fees, um, and, and trophy sponsorships are huge. And I congratulate the Vegas guys. They, they sold quite a few, uh, they said they sold all their trophy packages, which, Granted, you, when you buy an eighty-five dollar trophy package and, and sponsor one, no, the trophy package doesn't cost that much. But the, the you know the juices they say in Vegas then goes to the local hosts to to offset costs in other parts of the of the convention because these things are are hundred thousand dollar plus events and they're they're done by a new group of people every year. I have to say the reason I'm asking this, I've got a bit of a ulterior motive. It's not so much about the judging; it's because the IPMS nationals here are 90% funded by vendor fees. Entry yeah. to the competition and to the show for IPMS members is completely free, and the other 10% comes from general admission. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's important, and just in case everybody's not picking up on this, with SMC as an example, mm -hmm. that, that's the same basic group of people that run that show every year that's right yeah. so yeah. they've got they've got a they've got a tremendous knowledge and experience base there yeah the ipms usa is kind of unique in having different people running the show each time obviously you have national yeah, people who yeah, help so. out but you know it, it's not something that happens over here would you chris would you say uh and i should have asked robert this um do you do you feel like that they view that as a business venture like is their goal to make a profit on that show it's not for profit or is it just they're, basically their goal is to not make a loss break basically even. Yeah, yeah right right and and that's kind of my impression and jim correct me if i'm wrong that's kind of my impression of what you guys do as well you just don't want the hosting club to lose money it's it's not the hosting club the hosting club will, <clears throat> excuse me I'm, I'm still getting over a bug and no it's not COVID. i got tested after i got <laughs> back i'm fine <clears throat> excuse me it's not the host will never lose money. Okay. The host has no money to lose because they're hosting on behalf of IPMS USA Got it. Okay. and they cover all costs. All funds flow through all bills, full, all income and all bills flow through the IPMS USA treasurer. So everything, he pays all the bills. He receives all the money. So when you go pay your, your uh, registration fee, it goes to IPMS USA. It doesn't go to the locals. And that's new from about 2016 to 2018 area. Um, <laughs> not to go off on a tangent, but uh, we had one chapter. It was very clever one year and, and legally was able to keep all profits for said year. And so then IPMS was forced to say, yeah, we got to do some things differently. So then that's when the process started to, to have all monies run through the, the national organization. Interesting. All right. Well, this is all good stuff, but it is a little bit off of, of, of what we're trying to do here. That's okay. No, I think this is interesting stuff. I think everybody who listens to this is going to have a better understanding of how all this works. And that is the primary objective. I just don't want all, you know, you guys uh, to be here all day. So um, let's move into the next question for both of you guys. And this is going to be, this is going to be kind of, maybe you could call this the crux of the, of the debate, if you will. But um, I want you both to discuss the advantages of your system. And Jim, it's your turn to go first. Advantages. What do you see as the positives? What do you like about it? And then we're going to, the next question after this is going to be, okay, 
disadvantages. But for now, just just let's just talk about what you see as the as the positives of the way IPMS USA does its does its thing. Well, advantages and disadvantages is a kind of gray area because at the end of the day, what are you trying to accomplish? Okay, and we're gonna and we're gonna get to that. Yeah. That's also that's also a question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, but for the, now, that's that's the thing. I mean, it, it, to to more your point, I think that that's that's the biggest elephant in the room is is what are both systems in and of themselves trying to accomplish? Okay, and it's like and you it, read my mind because yeah. that is going to be question four. But or, do me a favor. Okay. But do, back to but one, do me a, back to one. Advantage. favor. Let's just yeah. talk about the yeah, advantages. Yeah, yeah. Advantages in the in the way that that we do things. There's a there's a, a definite time crunch. We've got four to five hours, and we have a true contest. It's it's modeler against modeler based on what they put on the table. Okay, so when you're evaluating those models, you have to weigh them against each other. Okay, Um, and to be able to come in and weed out 90 percent of uh, being able to take one quantifiable thing and eliminate, you know, 85, 90 percent of what's in the category on a first cut based on one thing. To your point, IPMS is only construction. No. But we use it because it's a quantifiable tool that we can say when we want to ask, that's what probably dinged you. You know, you, you had this out of alignment. This is goofy. You know, the missile on the rail is not straight with, with the pylon. The pylon's not straight with the wing. Or you've got an AIM-7 missile fin hang, touching a, a gear. Had that happen one year, I had a very irate entrant that had won, won multiple awards with his, with, his, with his piece. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we are building models of real things. And in real life, that, that probably wouldn't have happened. But at the end of the day, it's, it's ultimately an alignment issue. It's a basic thing you got to get right that we can use that rubric to go through to get down to our, our five or six to where we can then start taking our time with, with the ones that, with the cream that's risen to the, to the top and, and, and using that going down the line to get to that point of, of ultimately finding the best one in that category. So just like nutshell that for me, how you see that as, as an advantage. Time-wise, you know, it, it's an advantage being able to go through and not be encumbered by a point system or a, a scorecard system, because if we're, if we're taking time, and I think this is where we're eventually going to be going with this conversation. Uh, like it's been going online. If, if you're if you're tasking a judging team with, you know, 25 to 30 models and, you know, with also multiple categories that are sitting waiting to get judged in a four hour period of time and they have to sit down and fill out a scorecard on every single model that at first glance you can tell is nowhere near the top three or even top six. That takes time. OK, and you have to apply that time evenly for every single model in maybe a small group, maybe a big group, you know, and for for if, if nothing else, for efficiency to get through and, and do what we do in a contest setting 
it it's just easier to to be able to you know when you look at something and you know it's it's not a contender you can move on now that person is free to bring their model to the uh to the table on every saturday morning there there's a table staff okay i'm going to stop i'm going to stop you there i know where you're going that's that's going to be a that's going to be another question later so so but you you see the the advantages for the group as it's efficient you you were able to process a large number of models in a, in a specific amount of time, mm-hmm. and that for the modeler, the advantage to them is there's a clear, a clear first, second, third based on who they're competing against that day at that location. So is that a good summary? Pretty much, that's what we do. Yes. Okay. All right, Chris, over to you. Sorry, before we do, because I don't know, uh, Jim, if you've mentioned it, but if you have, just remind us because uh, you mentioned time. How many judges do you have? That varies from year to year. On average. I think based on the math that you and I did in that Facebook thread, we came up with like 150 this year, right? Or something? Contest-wide, maybe. Yeah, uh, contest-wide. Because you said you, you said you had three. You had you had uh, 24 start, terms of three. At the start of Saturday night, or excuse me, Friday night, we had 19 teams of three and we were, we were nervous because that's just not enough people. We were able to scrap together um, a few more people that, that came up and volunteered after keep, keep on making calls, you know, please, you know, if, if you're interested in judging, please come, come talk to us and, and we'll, I'll vet them this to see, you know, uh, I, it's certainly not our goal to throw three new guys together and go have them go out and judge a category that happened in Chattanooga. And we do have a check judge team involved in, in part of the process. And our check judges found an error that this team completely messed up on when they, when they made their evaluations with, with just at a basic glance. And because it was three new guys that got thrown together at the last minute. So we do acknowledge that, yes, it's a weakness in the system, but we are at the mercy of whoever wants to, to volunteer to judge. So, okay, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about judges. Uh, Chris, you, your turn to talk about the advantages to the to the group and to the modeler. Okay, I'd, I'd just like to go back a little bit though. When you said your judges are volunteers, so are the judges at SMC. Hold on, They're there's going to be a question about how there's going to be a question about how judges are selected. Okay, all right. So <laughs> uh, the advantage. I'm prepared, dude. I did my homework last night when I judged at Telford. It used to uh, used to make me very sad that sometimes you'd get more than one model that you know you'd have three models you couldn't choose between they were all as good as each other, but only one of them could get gold, one of them could get silver, and one of them could get bronze. And I felt like we were sending people home with less than they deserved when really the final choice came down to you know almost like tossing a coin in the air. They were that close together, you know, it was like trying to get a cigarette paper between them. Um, so the advantage for me is that you get what your model or what your, your work, I should say, deserves. That's the biggest advantage, I think. Uh, in terms of disadvantage. Uh, that's the next question. Yep. It was like a two part question, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. That's the next question. Right. So that for me, that is, that is the advantage. There is no, um, time wise. We seem to get through them all. I would say though, that, uh, we might deselect models in different ways but actually we just use a different criteria it's the same as ipms we look at half the models on the table and say they're not in the running just like you do it's just you know we look at overall and you look at a certain you use as one metric maybe to 
to quickly select. But it's in practical terms, it's no different for the 30 guys that have lost out. It's, it, you know, it's no different. They can come up and ask us what it was, but we do the same thing. There's a cull before we get onto the, you know, the other Got stuff. It. So you, you feel like you, you feel like in a nutshell for, for the SMC uh, version of the open system, that the advantages to the group are that you also feel that it's efficient. You get it yeah. obviously done and you, and you get it done with a, with a smaller number of judges um, and that more model makers get rewarded for their efforts. Well, I'd say that's the advantage. The rest of it's just a byproduct. But I should, uh, sorry, I really do need to point out, I don't speak for SMC. I speak for, you know, Robert may feel differently about the things I'm saying, or the other judges may feel differently. I've not been a head judge there. This is just my experience. Got it. it. Okay. So now, since you sort of got into that and it's your turn, what do you think the disadvantages of that system are, Chris? Well, five-hour award ceremony on Sunday is a bit of a disadvantage. <laughs> Damn, that gets, that gets tiring when you got through 32 categories of figures. Seriously, <laughs> uh, your, your, the award show is five hours long. No, well, about three hours usually. At Mosin, it's five hours. Okay. But that's, that's the push. They, uh, they drag it out a bit. Well, at Mosin, it's sponsored by the local town and the local military and the local colonel from the airbase comes and does a speech and then you know, the chairman of the board of small business does a speech and it's, oh, well, sorry, go, go, if you're listening, but God, it's a snooze fest. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they, they trim it down. Actually, that it used to be worse. It's down to about two hours now because they only present golds. Now your name gets called if you've got silver or bronze, but you only actually come up and collect it if you've got a gold. Um, but yeah, it does make for a long, it, it generally starts about two o'clock on the Sunday and goes on till about six o'clock. Uh, but obviously, you don't have to be there. You can go off if you like. Um, and yeah. and that's away. that's a key different difference because even I know that at IPMS USA, you guys put the awards on the table, correct? And it's up to the modeler to go collect it. Yeah, the awards are on the table, uh, and they're placed during the awards banquet. The local host will go in there and do that. As soon as the doors close on on Saturday night, the, the awards start going out. So then that way, when the show or the awards presentation is done, they walk in and everybody's packing up and it's a mad dash home at 10 o'clock that night. Okay. I right, should Jim, say, do you see any disadvantages? Sorry, at SMC, though, when you do the award <laughs> ceremony, no one knows what they've got. They don't put anything on the table that tells you if you've won anything. So you have to wait for the award ceremony to find out if you've won something. That's kind of cool. You get that sort of surprise because that, you know, it's what well, it stops mean, everyone leaving, like the, leaving the show and, early, which obviously for the know, vendors right. is a big problem. So. Yeah. All right, Jim, do you see any disadvantages with the IPMS USA system? Again, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. We're going to get to that. You know, and I that disadvantages uh, in, a, in a true contest format, like what we have. Um, I struggle to, 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 come up with a disadvantage because we we've always struggled to try to be as as efficient as as we can with the tasks that we're tasked with so we do what we do um some might not like the results or how we do things but right now um i i just i don't under i, I don't know what what more we can do in, in a contest format than what we already do. And, and it sounds bad because, because there's always, you know, it, with, with anything, you can always do something better. You know, I'm, I'm not about to say that what we do is perfect. Of course not. There's no such thing as perfect. 
in life in anything. But uh, I'm all for options, but they have to be viable options. Of course. All right. And, and our and our task today is not to litigate possible ideas or solutions or whatever you want to call it. It's just this is just, you know, really purely about information. So I think that's fair. I mean, you know, you're experienced. You've been at it for a long time and, and you've got a better view than than probably anybody to the way the system functions. And so, I, you know, that's that's totally fair. So now let's get to that question of what is it that you see as the role of contests and, 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 and of the and of the organization as a whole? And Jim, I'm going to give you first first whack at that question. What is a contest to, right. to throw it back on you? Because I I would I would argue that an open system is not a contest. You know. Um, it's an evaluation. It's an exposition. It's we're doing basically the same thing, but it, it's not a true competition until you get to when it's not a evaluation. Then it becomes a competition with with your best ofs in your classes. What we do, and it goes back to our founding in '64. You know, when you guys got together at, at a meeting and said, "Hey, we need to do this every year. Hey, let's have a contest." And that contest back in the '60s was one, two, three. And it's evolved from from that point on. It's always been a contest. It's grown from that point on to what it is today. Okay, what is what what is what what's the mission? I mean, if we're going to have a contest, then it's it's that's what it is. Um, I I don't know if I'm even answering the question as far as what our goal is. Our goal is to have a contest, and I think I think that's what what we do to the best of our ability. No, I think that's a fair answer. I mean, because again, I, I this is one thing that's kind of come out for me as I read these, you know, different comments and and have you know these conversations is that you know people view the nature of the contest differently, uh-huh. and Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a that's a key cultural uh, difference and it's a key point. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, Chris, your turn. Uh, I think actually Jim's right. It, it's not a competition as such. The only people you're really competing against uh, are yourself. However, every year the standard seems to go up and every year it does get a little bit trickier to get a gold. But the the advantage to that, as far as I can see, is that um, we try and tell modelers how good their model is, not in comparison to someone else or how good their skills are or how well they're developing, not in comparison to someone else, but only in comparison to sort of a, a, a perceived standard and obviously you know there's some sort of a consensus that has to go on around the standard it's not as objective as as the uh, construction thing or what have you but really the main goal i think of the competition is to bring lots of good modelers together and show lots of good models and it seems to do that i mean you know it's the, the standards at um smc are higher than than uh, uh, leagues higher than ipms uk in terms of the quality of the models a model that gets a gold at ipms might get commended at ismc maybe the other thing of course is that i feel like if i win a gold at ipms all i really know is that they were better than the other models on the table that day it doesn't tell me anything objective about the model and it feels it's more objective about the quality of the the model to to get a standard but you know if you if you're about competition, sorry, I'm straying off the question. If you're about competition, if you are about competing against others, then yeah, open system isn't going to do that. 
All right, that's that's a fair description. I this is one point where I'm going to sort of insert my own idea because I I I think it's important to to illustrate this idea that everybody sort of views the nature of the contest differently, and so I want to present a third view of it, which is my you know which is me. I'm the third guy here. I, I sort of liken this to the difference between a sprint and a time trial, if you will, because a sprint you're obviously racing against the other people who showed up at the starting line and there's going to be a first, second, third. And it's, it's completely unambiguous. There's no doubt about who, who those people are. Whereas with a time trial, somebody decides, you know, there is a fastest time. And at any point on any day, you know, at that track or whatever you want to call it, that the time, that the, that the fastest time is what it is. And everybody is racing against that time standard. And so I don't even I don't view that as competing against yourself. I view that as against competing against literally everybody who's available in the entire universe to try their hand at meeting that standard. Uh, but obviously, with a racetrack, it's very black and white. You know, it's a certain number of of seconds. With scale models, it's a bit it's a bit more nebulous because, as has been pointed out many times, who defines that standard? And that's a challenge for sure. And and that gets us into our next question, which is about the judges themselves, uh, because I think there's a key cultural difference there as well. And, and we've already talked about it quite a bit in discussing the numbers of judges um, uh, um, but and how long judging takes. But I want to talk specifically about how judges are selected. Uh, so, Chris, it's your turn. Uh, talk about how you got selected to be part of the judging team at SMC and at, and at Mosin, if it was different. I probably got asked to do Mosin because I'd done SMC, so that one's easy. But um, SMC, it's because I'd won a couple of medals there previously. I've been to the show a lot of times. I knew a lot of the people on the team and everything else. So they asked me if I'd be willing to have a go. And I joined as a junior member on a team of three. Um I was hoping that they would pay for my hotel room or something. <laughs> I got the Robert will laugh when he hears this. I got nothing. They don't even give you a sandwich, damn it. Uh, <laughs> at Mosin, you do get lunch. Um, in uh, it's in like a school canteen, so we're not talking like a, a gourmet lunch here. But they do give you something to eat. That's it. That's all you get. So you're volunteering your time. Um, you know, you can put your models in the judges' cabinet, uh, which is a display-only cabinet, if you wish. Uh, but at SMC, you're not allowed to enter the competition if you're judging at all, because then there's no accusation of like an old boys network of the judges voting for each other and that kind of thing. At Mosin, you can, but obviously, like Jim said, we're not insane, not in the category in which you've entered. Okay, so you're basically recruited as a judge based on what the organizers view as your accomplishments in the model making world and your skill level. Is that fair? Yeah. All right, so kind of an, it's a, the judging team is almost like an all-star team. If you well, there's a feeling that you can't ask someone who isn't capable of winning a medal to judge modelers who are capable of winning a medal, whose level isn't okay. at that level because they're not going to know what they're looking for. But I'm, I'm sure Jim will agree with this one. The best way to educate your eye is to do judging. Amen, brother. Because no one else looks at closely as models as judges do. They they get to look, you know, it's a privilege, frankly. You get to look at models so closely. And you can learn a lot just by looking at someone else's models. 
I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I, um, you know, again, just to provide one, one counterpoint, people have, you know, accused me, Oh, you've never judged. Well, yes and no. I've never judged in person, but you're very judgmental though. I am very judgmental. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) I, uh, SMCG scale modelers critique group. If no, you know, for those that might not be familiar, we ran an online contest, um, within the group in 2016. And, we uh, had a standard for how many photos people had to contribute of their models and what views had to be included. You had to have 10 photos. There had to be front, back, left, right, top, bottom. Uh, that was an absolute. Didn't it submit the right photos? You disqualified. Um, and then we asked for five like up close, you know, photos of your choice. Um, and then we had a, we had a score sheet with a, with a very specific rubric that had percentages for each thing. And <laughs> there's a reason we only did it once. <laughs> and we spent, I mean, it was, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, we had really good quality photos. Everybody did that, but we did, we spent, and I guess with an online thing, you've got that luxury of as much time as you feel like you want to spend, but we spent hours and hours and hours evaluating um, and we felt like the winner was was pretty clear, but it was hard. Um, I think it's easier in person, to be honest. It's it's harder on a screen. Probably. It, it probably is. Because no matter how good the photos are and what angles mm-hmm. you have, you know, you, you, there's just stuff that you're just not going to be able to appreciate, um, you know, like you can in person. So um, I have some clue, but, you know, obviously it's different in person. Um, but anyway... Jim, your turn uh, to talk about how judges are selected for uh, for an IPMS uh, crew. Well, unfortunately, we're we're not able to invite or vet uh, judges. Um, our we, we are totally a volunteer organization, and we're we're at the mercy, literally, who shows up at the national convention. Uh, we do have a core group of guys that show up every year. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the old guys, but you know, they're older, they're retired. They've done it a, you know, quite a few times. Uh, we always get new people in too, and, and, and they, they learn the process. Um, we, like I, I may have spoken earlier about, you know, IPMS has had this elitists, uh, tag put on it and, you know, they've, they've tried you know, to, to, to shed that moniker. And I, I believe if we got to that point where we're only inviting judges that, that would, that moniker would only come back, um, twofold or more. Um, it, uh, it, it, is it a perfect system? Again, no, you asked earlier, where are some of the disadvantages? Well, maybe, maybe that's one of our disadvantages that is that we're, we're totally reliant upon, uh, on volunteers at, at that time to, to accomplish this gargantuan feat. Of, of trying to do what we do i think with it moving uh sorry to butt in i think with it moving city to city as well it makes it would make it very hard to invite even if you could invite guys that have been good judges previously at shows obviously they're not mm-hmm. gonna be able to get to it depending on where it is so i can understand that for sure yeah everybody's situation's different families different business work i mean a lot of times a lot of guys don't know if they can come until literally a few days beforehand I have so, to say, from a practical point of view, we get more holiday days in Europe as well. I know in America you get very few. Yeah, and plus uh, our constitution as written states that the contest, or the convention, I shouldn't say the contest, the convention as a whole 
Um, and this may have changed recently. I, I, I have conflicting information about this, but it used to be that it had to be held in the months of July and August hmm. to correlate more with, you know, school being out, yeah. kids being able to come, guys being able to bring their families during, during breaks and then school schedules start moving. I mean, my kid, when I went to school, I didn't go back to school until after, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Labor Day holiday. And now they're going back to the beginning of August, you know, a whole month earlier. Uh, it, 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 and it, it's just hard to try, you know, when's a good date, you know, you push it into the winter. Now you get bad weather in the East. And, and it, it, so there, there's a lot of logistics behind, uh, you know, we're moving a, a national amongst the geographic area of, of the whole of Europe. And then probably some, you know, depend depending on who bids, uh, that, that, that's another thing, you know, uh, every two years we bid out. Okay. So we took no bids because our next two venues are set. Next year in Omaha, we will bid for 24 because San Marcos got the, they had it in 20, got canceled. It's 23. Who's going to bid in 24? That used to have a rotation where we would do East West Central. Uh, that that's long gone because people chapter stopped bidding. It's such a com, you know a complex thing to to put one of these things on, uh, and especially manpower wise, you don't realize how quickly behind the eight ball you can get if you don't have local manpower to, to pull one of these things off. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big task. So we do tend to, 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 to another disadvantage. We reinvent the wheel every year, depending on where this, this show goes. And it, that, yeah, that's, a key, that's, that's a key point. But, but one thing I did pick up, I have picked up on for sure is you guys do a training sort of seminar for judges, right? At the, at the national show. We, the, the head judge does have a seminar. I believe it's on Thursdays uh, and all the, the new guys come in that, have, that, have, that we've, actually been able to to have sign up to do their OJT training and to anybody else who wants to 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 uh, attend the seminar given by the head judge national head judge gives the what your judges look for so he he will walk through the process now it's been years since I've been in in that one but um, yeah that it's required for the new guys to go to it and then uh, you know maybe a refresher for the other guys Okay, cool. All right, we are we are kind of closing in on it. I've got one more question for the pair of you, and then I've got some questions that just by nature of of the situation are really going to be just for Jim, because uh, there's not an equivalent uh, thing uh, with for Chris to answer. But the last question for the both of you is, uh, how do you view giving feedback to the contestants, and how can you deliver that feedback? Uh, to the, to the, to the, uh, you know, to the entrance, uh, Chris, your turn first, I think, hope I got that right. It's <laughs> different depending on the show at Mosin, there's a score sheet they can look at, which you can also enter comments on. And there's like 10 categories. So we fill them all out. Uh, at SMC, we don't fill out a score sheet. If someone's got a query, they'll come and ask the head judge, the head judge will find one of the judges on the team and ask them to talk them through it. It's not perfect. Uh, at Telford, you're supposed to fill out a score sheet for every model, but realistically, we only fill out the ones for the winners and the commended. Seems fair. And then um, you can go up after and say, "Why did my model win?" And then the the competition secretary will get the sheet out and say, "Because you you know painted it pink and it should have been green or something and you know something like that." Okay. All right. All right. Jim. Yeah, there's a lot there. I want to rebuttal to it. One more time with the question. Well, I apologize. I want, I want to just. It's okay. No, no, it's totally okay. The question is just basically, how do you view giving feedback to the contestants, and and how would you deliver that? 
ah, this, now this is where it's this. Okay. Rubber's hitting the road. It's a competition. Okay. We, we don't do feedback at the end of the day because it's a competition. Okay. There's plenty, and this is where we're going to disagree. There's plenty of opportunity through volunteering to judge through, uh, going to local chapters. If, if you're, if it's possible or regional conventions and local contests and having your, your buddies look at your stuff and get, and, and more importantly, God, look at YouTube. There's a gazillion different YouTube channels as, as you have will to, to learn from <laughs> at a contest level. At the end of the day, it's not our job to give feedback. Okay. Our job is to evaluate and rank models. Okay. And that's where the big difference is between a contest and an evaluation in an open system. Okay. Where you're going for a grade. And I would expect feedback in that type of a system because you are being evaluated. And, and as such, yeah, I, I want to get something back. But when I put my stuff on a contest table, it, it, it's all bets are off. And I, I, as an entrant in a contest, it's like you said earlier, it, it's a time trial or it's, it's, it's a black and white thing. It becomes a black and white thing in a contest where the judges, be it, be it brand new as a, as a guy under training or the 30 or 40 year guy. I mean, there's plenty of guys that have done it longer than I have. Okay. But at the end of the day in the contest, what is it? Every bonds, everybody wants to know why I didn't win. Well, I'm not going to tell you why you didn't win or why you did win. Because I, for one, I may, I may or may not have judged that category. I can put you in contact with the guy who judged it, but then they're only going to talk to you about your model. They are certainly not going to go down that, that uh, slippery slope of why you placed or why you didn't win compared to somebody else. Okay. Because that, that's, you're just not going to be privy to that information. We can discuss your model. I'll, I'll let you know the guy who, who judged your model. I'm, I've got all the team teams. You come to me. I'll, I'll hook you up just kind of like what, what you said, Chris, earlier, uh, you know, and you also have the opportunity every Saturday to have a table of three judges on Saturday morning. It runs from the morning to mid afternoon. You can take your model up to a judge that, that probably didn't judge your model, but they can go through as a, as a, as a maybe a fourth or fifth pair of eyes and, 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 and tell you what they see with your model, but you're never in a true competition like IPMS are going to get a reason why. Because that's that's privy to the three guys that made their subjective opinions based on objective criteria after they've gone through the rubric. And now they come down to and they decide on their own what's the more egregious error amongst the three of them. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, I, I know. and that's why I say it's really two different systems. It's two different philosophies. It's it's two different goals in the end. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty clear. And I think don't sometimes, and Chris, I know you've got a question. I, I saw in some of the discussions that sometimes judges will actually write right there on the entry sheet, you know, like if they, you know, if it's an obvious thing, seams, decals. So at least there's a little bit of a clue, but that's not necessarily a consistent thing. It's not like a mandate that all judges do that. No, if anything, they were making notes for themselves. If they were in a big category, I saw it done this year. I was heard, I heard that it was mm -hmm. done this year. And you might have a category of 30, maybe uh, there was one that was pushing 40 because we just didn't have a way to split it or an, uh, an available split to apply to it. And that one, we just couldn't do it. So they've got, they got to keep track of 40 different ones and they're going to, they, they may keep notes depending on the team, what they decide to do. 
Gotcha. Okay, Chris, what was your question? No, I was going to say, we, we give the same feedback. If if someone comes up and says, why didn't I win? What they're asking is, what was wrong with my model? So we'll say, oh, that, that, it's that. If you'd done that better, you would have done better. You know, because no one, no one needs feedback on, well, no one's going to give you feedback on someone else's model because that's, you know, it's not your business. They'll give you feedback on your model. So it's not in terms of, you know, why was that one better than mine? It's more, why wasn't mine good enough? That's the feedback you get. Generally at SMC, people don't ask for it. I've never been asked for it. At Telford, they do. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it at Mosin, but it might be because they're so, uh, Gergo's going to hate me. Sorry, Gergo's the guy that sort of the master of ceremonies on the Sunday. Uh, it might be because they're so shell-shocked <laughs> from the award ceremony. They just want to go and get a beer. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, at Telford, it's generally the sheet, and at, at, uh, but it's only going to be what it was about your model. No one's going to talk to you about someone else's. So it's a similar thing, and it might just be that um, you don't get the judge that judged it, and they'll say, "Well, you know, looking at it, there's this and this. You can improve on that. That's it." Mm-hmm. But you know, when you there's a fine line between silver and gold. People will rightly be saying, "Well, why wasn't you know what what did I do that wasn't good enough?" Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting to me that I've that I've pulled out of of you know listening to both of you guys kind of describe the thing is, you know, there's this idea of a standard like at SMC um, or in the, with the open system, and it's this sort of mythical, you know, deity of the perfect model that's floating out there someplace, you know, and nobody really knows exactly what it is. I mean, you might say, okay, well it's represented by, and you might name off a bunch of really amazing model makers who you feel, you know, whose work embodies that standard overall, but it's still, it's this sort of nebulous thing. And, and, and Jim with IPMS system, you guys are still using that sort of mythical standard. It's just that it's really applied to a more narrow part of the whole picture. And that really being the construction thing and the idea that there is this there is, in theory, a perfectly constructed model. It has no seams showing. It has no misalignments. You know, in a case of an aircraft, the wings are all good. In the case of an armor subject, all the wheels touch the ground. So it is kind of also the same sort of, of standard that's out there. It's just, again, it's a little bit more narrowly applied. And I can completely understand why people look at it as a more objective thing because, you know, we talk about this uh you know, amongst my, my group all the time that look, there's, you know, when you're giving feedback, there's objective stuff, like a seam is either there or it's not decals, either silvered or it's not, it's it's not debatable, right? It is what it is. Whereas, you know, how was that weathering executed? Um, That is maybe not as subjective as some people think it is, but it's certainly a bit more nebulous. It's, It's definitely objective. Yeah, I think everything comes down to execution, but I I understand that basically with the IPMS philosophy, it's it's almost more of a timeline way of looking at the thing as opposed to the finished thing, if you will. Like like the the open system kind of looks at the whole thing as it's as it stands. And IPMS seems to sort of look at it as it's progressed along this path from construction to finish, if that's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's very fair. But at the end of the day, we do get to finish. We don't get to finish with that 85 to 90 percent, but we do when we have to make our our final three. It it can and does oftentimes get into finish 
and, and how things are applied and how things are done and overall presentation. Those things that you, you, you like to talk about are definitely there. They're just there much later in the process when, when again, when the cream rises to the top. Okay. I actually don't think the two systems are that different. I think the only real difference is the first, second, third, and the gold, silver, bronze. Because we, mm-hmm. you know, so you, yeah. we look at the whole, and if the whole is at 50% good, then that's out. And then 40% good. So we do the same thing. It's just you do it um, through categories in order. So you start with construction and you move through to, but, you know, you're still looking at eliminating models by the quality of certain aspects. Well, we don't like to say eliminating. We're looking at including them by the achievement of certain aspects. But Right. But like I said, it, it's a contest what we want to achieve. And, and, and you have to, it's my moniker, you have to build it before you paint it. Uh, you have to, you, you, we use construction as a, as a first cut criteria because it's, it's an efficient way to quantify and point at if somebody asks us, well, why didn't I, you know, well, boom. Okay. I'm not going to get, or have to go down to the path of, and, uh, of, well, I, I didn't like, and I hate the word like, like should never be applied to judging. Okay. Um, I didn't like your your interpretation of paint or you're you're not painting it in in the latest fashion or style okay that's not um, what we do well true you, that might not be what you do but and, and this is where where the bone of contention comes is when i hear on your on your when you interviewed robert and he said as as the head guy mm-hmm. you know well i i awarded uh one year i awarded an entry you know, a, a bronze instead of a silver because it lacks finesse. And then he also stated that, uh, well, you know, it, judging is subjective. And, and it's kind of like then he uses that as the crux to be able to go into picking what they like or whatever that, you know, well, you just have to go with the current trends of, of the Spanish method. Robert's or not here. And it's not, this is where it starts to get a bit fractious because there are so many assumptions about what we look for that come from the IPMS right. side, which I, I are just, wholly just and entirely right. incorrect. And finesse is the level of skill used to execute what the model is trying to do. So right. you have a certain level of skill, which is workmanlike. And then beyond that, it, it's the level of skill is the finesse. See, I, I think I, 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 I want to uh, draw with the man's, uh, what, what he yeah, says but he's goes not on. here. So I'd rather not talk about what he said. Uh, and that's that's fair but that's 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 no it's we're not going to edit it we're not going to edit any of this but i want but i want to interject here because i feel like i know what robert was saying when he used the term finesse and it was unfortunately a you know one of those sort of general descriptors that requires some nuance and some explanation and i and so i'm going to I will take the chance as the moderator of speaking sort of on Robert's behalf because I'm arrogant enough to think I know what he meant. And, and I believe that finesse is still just sort of a descriptor for overall execution because like, let's put it in the realm of paint finish. Okay. I view a paint finish that is smooth, doesn't have visible texture, doesn't have bits of, you know, flurm and goobers and stuff sticking out of it. Um, I, I, I view that as a paint finish that was done with a great deal of skill. You can call it finesse if you want to, but, but that's, for me, that's like, those are the fundamentals of a paint finish. When I look at weathering, I look at, okay, 
does the weathering uh, tell tell the story in a way that's easy for people to read? Like, can I look at it and go, okay, I see the gas cap. I see the spill coming from the gas cap. I can immediately read that as a little story of, of, uh, of, of what happened there in sort of an archaeological, you know, fashion. Um, are the streaks like straight? Do they align with the airflow or with gravity? Like that's why I think that weathering is actually a bit more objective than a lot of people want to think it is because it still comes down to execution. And I, and to me, that's what Robert meant by finesse is the overall execution of the thing done in a way that, you know, sort of fits an objective standard for each of those little elements. So sorry, Chris. I would use the word finesse in terms of what I look for. But to give two examples, the first one, let's say a fuselage seam, because that's something you're going to know really well, Jim. A fuselage seam is a gap between two halves of a fuselage. Okay. Now, the first thing you need to do is to eliminate the gap and fill it. So that's one level of skill. The next thing you do you need to do is to polish off the filler. So is there visible scratch marks from the sanding? That's a lack of, of finesse in polishing that out because you've got rid of the filler. Yeah, absolutely. But you've got rid of it in such a way that it's left a trace of what you did. And then on top of that, is there going to be a ghost scene? And then finally, have you reinstated all the panel lines and all the rivets and everything from where you did it? Mm-hmm. If you've done it so well that you can't see where the scene was, then that's finesse. That's great skill in what they've done. It, it requires, firstly, great mechanical skill and, secondly, great visual acuity and discernment that you can tell when it's perfectly and beautifully done. Whereas, you know, you could say a gap's been filled as soon as it's got filler in it, but if it's got bits missing, it's got scratches on it, there's no finesse in the finishing of it. It's just, you know, they filled the gap and that's it. The second example is weathering because I think that's the one that's usually most contentious. And what Will was talking about there with uh, with uh, oil streaks, does it look like oil has been poured into a fuel cap and streaked or does it look like they've got some brown paint and applied it with a brush? So you've got an oil streak if they've just got brown paint and stuck it on with a brush. But if it's got that shine, if it's got a stain where it's leached out into the, the matte paint around it, if it looks like actual oil on an actual tank, that's finesse. So finesse really means that high level of skill, basically, you know, where you've managed to achieve what you were doing really nicely and really effectively. Whereas a lack of finesse would be you've done it, but it's not convincing. It's not really. So it doesn't mean lots of weathering. And this is what a problem. I think we get this a lot. People say that, oh, you know, they just chuck the weathering. Armour models get this a lot. They just chuck mud on it because they can't fill a scene properly no we fill the scenes properly and then we put mud on it i mean there's guys that there's guys that do that let's be honest but (laughs) there's not the guys we're talking about but i remember you'll see lots of armor models that are really heavily rusted there's no finesse in that they might the rust might look great but if it's totally over the top of ridiculous there's no finesse in that you know you might as well take something and roll it in glitter this is one place where i have to kind of disagree with you chris because you, you know like you mentioned the thing before about you know, if it's painted pink and it should be green, I personally believe that realism should never appear anywhere close to a judging sheet. But realism is a very decide, variable right? thing. But if all the yeah. tracks are heavily rusted, how are they actually going to move? They're going to be welded together. But, but again, like to that. me that to me that to me that doesn't even matter because all I want to care about is the execution. Okay, I don't know the story that the uh, that the author is trying to tell with that work piece. He may have in his head a completely ridiculous 
tale of how those tracks got rusted, but that's not what I'm there to judge. I'm only there to judge how well he executed what he did. And, yeah, but and anything above that is what is what Jim is talking about, where I totally agree with him. Then it does become totally subjective, and it's more about what your personal taste is. And that, nah, that's not supposed to be there. No, but when we look at it in the whole, if the tracks are really rusted and there's a story, you'd expect to see the story elsewhere on the tank. So that's why we're looking at it Maybe. as a whole. But yeah, it's right, not it's right, not yeah. about taste because you'd be surprised how much taste differs across the judges' personal taste. We're looking at how well they've executed what they're trying to do is is what we're looking for. So this is good, I, and we could you know this whole last bit of the conversation. I'm kind of letting run wild because <laughs> it's good discussion. It really is good discussion, and it and it and this you know is partly about highlighting the philosophies, but you know, without claiming advantage of one over the other. Um, but we do have to move on. And now we got a couple of questions that, that, that Jim, I want to ask you. And, and like I said, these are really just for you because they really only apply to IPMS. And this is again about just getting the information out there so that people can understand, because I've learned some things about the sort of inner workings of the IPMS in the last couple of days. And I, you know, I didn't know about, and I, I assume there's probably a lot of other folks out there, members who, who also are not are not clear on this. So can you describe what what's the NCC, the National Competition Committee, um, and how it's, you know, what's its function, uh, how it relates to the, the, the IPMS national organization as a whole? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you as the head aircraft judge, you're a member of the NCC. Is that, is that right? That's correct. The NCC is okay. made up and of so- the... The National Contest Committee is made up of the uh, the national head judge and then each class head judge, which I believe okay. is and how and, and, and just to throw in a last question there too. Sorry, how did you become a a member of the NCC? Sort of like Chris, how he became a judge at SMC. I I showed up for every year. I, I I stuck my nose in the door because back then I was the young kid and I had all these old guys, you know not caring about jets and jets are my thing. I it's my wheelhouse. I love jets. I love Navy stuff, you know? And so I, I would see them doing splits. I'd see them uh, doing things just as an afterthought in regards to jets. So myself and uh, another Richard Van Zandt, we kind of start sticking our nose in there and Hey, you know, we'd start going around with them when they were doing splits and we, we just start, we moseyed our way in. So it, it, we volunteered. Okay. And then after a couple of years, they, they started admitting, you know, Hey, thanks for showing up. We, you know, jets aren't our thing. We don't know. And so then you show up every year, you, you become a pain in the butt. You, you, you know, and then they, they, they start using you. And then over the course of, well, from 98 to when, when I was asked in 2016, um, I, that, that, that's how I ascended the role to, to, to head aircraft judge. Is there a hierarchy? Is there a, is, you know, no, it, it just was based on the, the current head judge's opinion of me and, and asking me, he thought enough of that I would do enough a good job that he asked if I was interested in the position. Had I said no, he would have moved on down the line to, to somebody else. Got it. So you've been a member of the, of the NCC for what now, five years? Is that right? Well, actively uh probably just the one or, or two over over covid over 2019 i attended ncc meetings on, online because okay. we, we typically have an ncc meeting that is open to to everybody to attend on saturday morning or set early saturday afternoon and we discuss anything and all things contest related to uh, whatever changes might need to be made for the for the following year 
um, you know, this year we had, we, we, had, we usually runs two hours. We ran three hours. There was a lot of things that, that need, need to be discussed. So, gotcha. So is it, it's basically you're on the team until you're not right. It's like a lifetime appointment. If you it's kind of like that. the Supreme court, maybe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, you're, you're nominated, you, you get accepted and, and off you go. Um, gotcha. okay. How, how many people are on that crew? So, like I said, so you've got your head judge and then, um, However, it's how I always get confused. It is a seven or is it eight? It, it, it's it's a, it, because space or not space uh, diorama and miscellaneous are covered by one one class head judge. They they merge two classes into one uh, because there's an there's enough there to to warrant one class, even though they're two separate classes. Then space and sci-fi they have a head judge, uh, figures, um, auto armor, ships, aircraft. And I and and juniors. I always forget juniors, and I apologize for that. So, so yeah, there's eight plus the the ninth head judge or the, the head judges is the ninth. Okay, Chris, you had a question. No, I was just going to say I noticed you split juniors into preteen and teen. I think that's a great idea because it's one over here, and you know when you've got eight year olds up against fifteen year olds, it's not so fair. Yeah, I, that's that something is, I really like. Yeah. That looks really good. Yeah. Okay, so you guys are are the are basically you are the guys who determine how the contests run if i understand correctly and is there any direct link between you guys and i is am i getting this right the board of ipms usa yes so we all serve at the pleasure of the president of ipms at any time they the e-board can come in if they have a problem with one of us and they can go to mark and say we want that person out we want you to replace them that has to be done and vice versa if the head has a problem with one of his his class heads, he can't fire him, but he can go to the to the e board and say, "Hey, these are my reasons. I'd like to replace him. Here are my reasons, and here's my suggestions." Okay, so we all serve at the leisure of, of the executive board, who's I believe I believe their terms run every every two years, and they might balance them out so there's not a whole complete shift at one time. But they're all elected by the membership, and they're all elected by by yeah by by the membership. Got it. But and, those and guys don't. To, 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 to one more point being, um, you know, they, the, the Constitution says we, we, we have to have a contest. The e-board directs us. You go, you go do a contest. Now, you know, who's, who's to say, you know, if changes are made, you know, maybe they want to do something different. Then it's upon the NCC to, to try to facilitate that change if it's, if it's possible but or the, not. But the board doesn't dictate changes, or and they don't they don't directly uh, determine the procedures and the policies that you guys use as mm -hmm. as the judging core, if you will. Correct. No, they don't. But it's my understanding that they 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 could they possibly can make make a change if if they want to like say for here's the herring in the room let's say they want to say well we're going to go to an open system in ipms ncc it's your job to figure it out and then we're going to go uh, what do you want to do? you know <laughs> uh that, that's 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 a big big pill to swallow because now you're changing absolutely everything uh it mm -hmm. you know uh personally i would i'd rather have something you know not mandated to the ncc i'd rather have the membership you know as a whole, and you never get a good turnout and voting of the membership. And this has always been a problem with IPMS. You put it, you put a survey out, or you put an election, or you put a constitutional amendments out. 
10% of the, the society votes because they're about the only ones that, that care about what goes on. Because you get so many people that all they do is they join the national when the, the, the convention's close to them and they're part of the country. And then they'll let their la the right. laps when it goes east or Midwest if they're only out west or especially east. I, I, I don't see as many guys in the east come out west. They don't want to make the So they'll let their memberships last. That's why we have numbers in the 50,000s for your number because you get a new number every time you rejoin. You know, yeah, so, they're basically just there for the contest. Essentially, yeah, they're just yeah. there for the just there for the few days of fun. You know, what? But hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But it would be nice to get a, a better view of what the society wants if more people would respond to to any vote uh, on anything. I'm uh, sorry. Can I just ask, as a as a UK IPMS member, because I'm curious, how many members, active members, do you think you have on average per year? That's that's a, about complete. I have heard, I don't know how true this is or not. I've heard that maybe we might have like 4,500 members, but we've got numbers in the 50,000s. Okay. So you, you get 4,500 members. Uh, you put a ballot on a proposition or whatever. You might get uh, 25, on a good day, maybe 25% of those responding. So any proposition, is that like a mail-in or an email kind of vote or how is that? vote taken yeah like uh well they do it you can do it online you can do it uh there's a ballot usually in one of the journals we get them quarterly we used okay. to call them quarterly um that you can mail uh, fill out and mail in that that's how our current election is going right now you could you could vote in person at the at the convention you can vote online or you can wait for your ballot to show up in the mail is the convention separate to the nationals or is it held at the same time the convention is the national yeah so the national convention yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because here they have uh an annual general meeting and they tend to hold it at some airfield somewhere at a museum. And you, apparently you get about 50 people turn up. And those 50 yeah, we, people we, we, decide on the proposition. Our, yeah. <laughs> Our e-board will have a meeting at the National Convention. Usually yeah. that meeting takes place from 10 to noon. And then the NCC meeting happens right after that from noon to 2 on, on the Saturday following the, the contest. All right. So let's say that, you know, there's been some discussion online uh, where – um, Cameron Corliss, he does YouTube videos. He's got a channel. He went to Vegas this year as a competitor mm -hmm. and signed up as a judge. He put himself through the whole process and he had some ideas, right? And and I'm we're not here to litigate whether those were good ideas or not. Let's just say, okay, he's got a proposition for a very specific detail of about the process where uh, his proposal was about um, adding a feedback sheet some way for the judges to deliver feedback, maybe even only to those guys who selected the checkbox that they wanted it. But again, not, not to, to debate the merits of his proposition, but here's my question. How would that proposition, assuming, you know, that, that, that you wanted to, how would that get enacted or become baked into the process with the, with the contest itself how does that how how does that that get to the NCC? How would they decide? Because that's that's like I, I mean I don't know if that's I, I liken it to like let's let's just make this comparison to you've got the you've got the president and his cabinet you got the secretary of the environment and then you've got the EPA. Mm -hmm. Nobody is voting on every single procedure that the EPA does. Right. I mean, maybe we wish they would, but that's a different conversation. And I kind of liken this to a similar sort of situation. So, you know, in that, in that context, 
Um, what's what, what are your thoughts? So what he would have to do, well, like anybody that has any idea, um, he can either come and present it to the NCC at, at the meeting at, at the convention, or he can email his suggestions and uh, plans, uh, goals, ideas, whatever to to the to the head judge himself. He'll then take note of them, and then um, that would probably be presented to us at the next NCC meeting, which would be in in Omaha, and then we take it under advisement. We would all have our say, and then. As, as a group, I guess it would be voted upon as to, to whether we move forward with it or not. Um, but at a minimum, it's going to be a two-year process. Just about everything is, which, yeah, you're like, oh, my God. You know, it, it seems like something so simple. I, I wanted to make a change in, in one category, and it, it, it took multiple years to get done just because of, of the process. You present it one year, you know. And then at the next available opportunity, it's discussed for implement, implementation the following year. So, yeah, to, to Cameron's suggestion, he would have to, you know, he could in writing, he could give his whole proposal in writing to the to the NCC or to the head judge. He takes it and then he the, he would present that idea to us in Omaha next summer. I think, I think this is really good because, you know, I, you know, we can litigate this shit on Facebook all day long, but the reality of the system is what it is. And, uh, you know, until something happens to change that, then, you know, it's going to continue to, to be the same way. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, you know, that's not like uh, assigning fault or anything. That's just the nature of the system. So I think this has been, this has been really good. I think, Again, Jim, I want to, you know, just say uh, mad respect for you to be willing to come on and and just talk about all this stuff. And I think this has gone well. I think it's gotten a little bit technical in certain spots, but I think that there's going to be quite a few people who are going to listen to this with interest. And I think that you two guys have done a great job of basically just educating folks about how these things work. And I think you've, you know, you're going to, you know, it, it may not change anybody's mind, but that wasn't really my goal with this. My goal was to just increase, you know, I hate the phrase, but grow awareness, (laughs) just help people understand better because I, I truly believe that with greater understanding, you know, comes, comes greater ability to affect change. If that's what you want, um, you know, or to operate within the system, to understand the system, to be content with the system, you know, it's a lot better than just, wow, we don't have time, you know, that, you know, those kind of responses don't do anybody any good. And I, and I, and I, so that's why I wanted you on here was because I knew that you would, you know, you would, you would provide a more detailed perspective. So good, good on you guys. Uh, With that, do either of you have any questions for the other or sort of closing arguments, you know, whatever you want to call it? I don't think I have any closing arguments where we weren't really arguing. We were just explaining no. our, our systems yeah. and the differences therein. Of, you know. I've got something I'd, I'd like to say. This I didn't want this to be about which system was best, and I'm really glad that it isn't that because when this conversation comes up on Facebook, it always turns into some sort of bun fight. And also, it's been really great, Jim, to have you here and talk about it properly because online it's just you don't have a grown-up conversation as much as you try and misconceptions slip in and and you're trying to read what the other person's saying and i personally i mean obviously i like my system but i'm not trying to change the ipms system i think you've had it for so many years 
that the most you would ever do if you really wanted to was evolve it rather than change it overnight. And I think people are barking at the wrong tree if they're expecting you to adopt the open system because it's obviously not what the members want. Um, but really, I've just got a greater appreciation for what it is you do and what IPMS USA does. And I think you do a really great job. And I think uh, people should be thankful for all the volunteers and all the work they put in. Thank you for having me on. I mean, like like I said earlier, IPMS has had this elitist label, and I, I try everything I can do in my new position to be able to, to shed that moniker and, and shed light on the whole thing. Nothing that we do is a secret. But unfortunately, the nature of social media is, you know, slings, arrows get thrown, and it's just like, you know, I, I want to... If nothing else in this position that, that's been awarded, you know, not awarded to me, but presented to me to be able to put a face, to put that message out there that no it's not the the super secret handshake club it's it's not the good old boy network yeah we got a lot of good old boys that do this volunteer every year but i i i, I want to be you know get get it out there you know uh whoever has a suggestion it's like not, not like it's going to be automatically shut down we you know we we will hear all all comers you know um now, don't get upset if, if the change doesn't happen the way you want or only part of the change takes place or something like that. But it's it's constantly evolving, you know, and every, everything we do it, it has to be run through a through a rubric, you know, of, of can it work? You know, is it something that, you know, could be tried, feasibly tried or whatever, you know, so it's just. It, and well, and I would, and like I, said, I would process, say so. Yeah. And I would say I would say to anybody who does want to see changes made because look, I mean, we have to be honest, not everybody agrees that the current system is, is all fine, mm -hmm. but I would say to those folks, you know, if, if you want to affect that change, you have to understand the process. You have to understand how the organization is built. Number one. And then, you know, you gotta, if you're going to litigate it online, you gotta have your arguments together. You got to have your ducks in a row. You've got to you've got to have the answers for those people who are like, "Man, takes too long." Because mm -hmm. the, the, the you know, that that's 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 the reality for those folks. And if you cannot address those um, arguments in a rational fashion, then you don't stand a chance. You know, you've got to understand your own proposal well enough and how it fits into the overall picture to be able to do that. And 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 that really is is was for me that was the main goal today was to, you know, to, to make that, you know, to make that more possible by just getting, you know, more information out there. And again, you guys have done a great job. I think uh, it's middle of lunchtime for me. I don't right. know. I, I think Chris is an hour late for dinner. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, you know, but uh, Jim, again, really appreciate you being here, being willing to do this. Um, and thank um, you for having me on. It was, it was fun. Thank you for doing it. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. I hope it. I'm I hope I'm a little bit different in person than what I, my online persona can be. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all I think we all are. I okay, think we good. all are. And you, good, you, good. You, you've been great. You've been great. And, and uh, Will, thanks for joining IPMS. I hope I hope to see you. Uh, you know, if you can make it uh, to, to whatever show, you know national show you can get to. You know, Lo love to talk to you. Well, you know, yeah. Well, for, for the record, uh, my buddy Justin Lentz, who lives just a hundred miles from me over here in Lubbock, uh, and is a super talented guy, uh, he hit me up the other day. He's like, "Hey, let's go to let's go to San Antonio. Model Fiesta is going to happen." And I, in a moment of of 
ill-advised boldness, said, I'm in. <laughs> Funny so, you mentioned Model Fiesta because now that I'm retired, you know, I, I hit another buddy of mine up that retired in April and said, hey, you interested in Model Fiesta maybe? Because he used to be part of the Austin Club. He's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll meet sooner rather than later. Yeah, so my intent, I'm saying it publicly right here, right now, is to be there. And uh, it'll know, be fun we'll to go to a happens. show and have to do, not have to do anything. So if you want to chuck yeah, rotten vegetables be... at Will Patson, you need to get to San Antonio. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. And I can't move very fast. So, you know, I'm an easy target. <laughs> all right, guys. Good stuff. Thanks all right. for all of you out there in listener land. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Sprue Cutters Union. Thank you. Oh, Jim, one last thing. Okay. Go on. Give people the web address for IPMSUS where they can go and check out the rules and stuff. IPMSUSA.org. Just that simple. Thank you. There you go. Get over there. Check it out. Join up. Do your thing. And with that, for reals, this time, see ya. Hey, Sprue Cutters. Chris here. Some of you may know that I run a small publishing company called Inside the Armour Publications. Truth be told, it's just me. I like to make scale modeling books that you'll keep on your shelf for years to come. The kind of books you'll refer back to time and again and cherish rather than just the ones you'll quickly look at and maybe sell on in a few years time. The books we do cover aircraft, armor and other subjects as well. And we like to get the best modelers I can find to make the most interesting models, not just painting and weathering, but the full process explained as you like it with all the details of what we did and why we did it. I also sell a small number of other brands, including Tetra Model and soon Yamashita Hobby 1700 scale ships. So, if you're looking for the best books you can find, or if you just want some PE or other stuff to tart up your builds, get along to InsideTheArmor.com and find out what we've got for sale. Alternatively, if you want our books but you're in another country, you might like to check out your local distributor or bookshop. Inside the Armor books are sold around the world in various shops and online stores. That's InsideTheArmor.com or look up Inside the Armor Publications on Facebook. And don't forget, the Sprue Cutters Union is just one of a number of superb scale modelling podcasts. There are too many to list, but go to ModelPodcasts.com to find a full list of all these great shows. 